Hello and welcome to Eschampur Newsstand with Amanda Chin and Adeline Huang. And we're back this week with 500 Days of Summer. Mm -hmm. It's a romance, drama, comedy. And I know a lot of people have watched this film, especially my friends. This was actually my first time. <laughs> but yeah, I know, I know that like maybe we might have more viewers, I mean, or listeners this time around. Yeah, because, because I feel like I know that everyone has been raving about 500 Days of Summer. It's just, it's just that when it was released, rom-coms or just anything romantic just, you know, wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It was like one of the first films that actually got me interested in films. And I can see why after watching it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, this is it. It's just like, some romance shit, mm -hmm. you know, but then like rewatching it again and again, I realized deeper things in the film that are not exactly out there. So it's like underlined and it's just like the themes mm. the thematically behind the characters, etc. Yeah, I'm actually really thankful that you introduced me to this movie now and me watching the movie at the age of 20 because you know, like 13-year-old or 15-year-old me wouldn't be able to appreciate yeah, the movie yeah, yeah. as much. For sure, because like watching this when I was like 14, 15, mm -hmm. it didn't really resonate much with me later on in life mm -hmm. when I watch it again. Mm -hmm. Like I understood the characters better. I understood their of actions course. better. Mm -hmm. It had me like, it means more and also it's more realistic, I guess. Yeah. It is, I have to admit, one of the more realistic um, romance movies out there. Which I think is one of like its biggest selling points. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. So we're going to start with um, a short summary of the film from Wikipedia. And then uh, we're going to go ahead into the segments. Mm -hmm. uh, you go. So this short is taken from uh, yeah, Wikipedia. Tom. Green card writer and hopeless romantic is caught completely off guard when his girlfriend Summer suddenly dumps him. He reflects on, sorry, I press some. Ah. He reflects on their love of, he reflects on their 500 days together to try to figure out where their love affair went sour. And in doing so, Tom rediscovers his true passions in life. Um, before we delve deeper, we're just going to put a disclaimer that we're not professional filmmakers and we're not film students. Uh, we're film lovers who happen to make films. And also, this review contains spoilers, so please stop listening if you don't want that. <laughs> so, should we get into the first segment? Definitely, let's go. Uh, let's talk about the look and the visual aesthetic. Because mm -hmm. as a kid, when I was like 14, 15, like I mentioned, when I first saw the film, what kind of attracted me and also um, put me in that place where I'm like, okay, like films can be good looking, you know, like they can have really? the cinematography. It was, like, blah, it blah, was blah. 500 Days of it Summer was, for you. One of the turning point was 500 Days of Summer. Because mm. I feel like they played around really well with like, Tom's idea of like relationships mm. and his romanticization of like life in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it um, from the eight millimeter 
film mm. map mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the film, and then you can also see it from like his reality expectations and like the play around it. You know what's going on in his head. Yeah, yeah. What I love the most, I think, about Five Hundred Days of Summer is how when I was watching it, just the first the first few minutes of the movie, the very first thing that came into my mind was now this this is a rom-com with a specific look which is what we've been looking for throughout this whole month right Mm -hmm. to me the closest like the closest that came to like rom-coms with a look was penelope for me and you disagreed on that but then when i saw 500 days of summer i was like okay this is it they put a lot of thought into how the movie looks a lot of thought into the color grading because i realized that the colors um, changed according to the days uh, Tom it knows does. summer. So nearing the end when their relationship was turning sour, the, the color tone was a bit colder. It, was, it had a lot more blues and greens. And then in the early days when he was, you know, still infatuated by summer and summer being, you know, you know like a hot season and all that, it was a lot more red. It was warmer. And I you can also it. see, like, every time Tom was with summer, those are... Um, the, the scenes where they're most aesthetically pleasing and uh, very beautiful. Yes, 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 yes. And when he's alone, it just go back. It, it goes back to just a normal shot, you know. Yeah. N- no thought put into it, which, which speaks volumes about how much the crew put thought into the look of this movie. And also, like, um, yeah, yeah. I definitely liked also like the musical choices. Of the songs that are chosen. Very like, early 2000s. Like the Smiths. It mm-hmm. actually introduced me to Smiths. Mm. This is where I got the Smiths. But also mm-hmm. like, it, it really opened up a whole like perspective of the of romantic, romanticizing life. And mm-hmm. like the daily, um, daily things you do like that would be dull or, you know, just like that. Like it's just plain how much a person can change the way you see things. For sure, because like, right? living in LA, we can definitely say that the TLA doesn't look that beautiful. It does not look that good. <laughs> DTLA, I don't even know how to describe it. it DTLA just, smells like piss. It does. It smells like piss everywhere you go. The ground is always wet. There's always a cockroach just somewhere, or maybe a dead pigeon, just DTLA is just not this spectacular place that the movie makes it. But also, it puts into perspective of how you can definitely see like things around you in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I would like, talking about DTLA and all that, like living in LA especially, um, like, I would definitely see it more of how Tom sees it, mm-hmm. just because I appreciate the architecture mm-hmm. and I appreciate different, like, the things that people don't usually look at. I mean, yeah, DTLA visually is pleasing, but then the minute you walk into it, it's not as good as you think it is. Unless, of course, I mean... To be completely honest, if I were to, say, find my soulmate in DTLA, DTLA would then have meaning in my life. 
But currently, when its only selling point is, what's that place? The market? The, uh, the public market with lots of food. Uh, I forgot. Oh my god, we had lunch there. With, Central. With, oh, what's its name? Oh my god, oh my I've been god. in Jakarta too long. Yeah. <laughs> the, let me Google it. That one market in DTLA. You know I actually disagree with you. Grand Central Market. I disagree with you. Really? Because to me, the only selling point no, of DTLA is Grand Central Market. I think you're just not there enough. You need a person yeah, who I don't, actually knows where to go. I don't go. play around downtown LA that much. Again, like, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in LA to study, DTLA, so I don't play around a lot. It's like, there's a lot of good cafes in DTLA. There's this one particular cafe, shout out, I forgot what the name was. Earth Cafe. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> but I love, I love going there because everyone's just like working and every single thing they're working on are usually um, creativity related. Mm -hmm. So it kind of puts me like in, in the um, zone. I'm really sorry to all the LA natives out there who love DTLA. I just don't spend a lot of time in DTLA for it to mean anything to me. It's such, I don't have a car. And the travel from, you know, um, Santa Monica, that's where my college is, so I live near there. From Santa Monica to DTLA, it takes about an hour or more with like public transportation. So I do not spend a lot of time it's, in DTLA. It, with LA, it's all very segregated. So like, from Ooh, one, like if you don't bye. know, like if you don't know, like going from one point of LA to the other point, it would very, it would look very different. How is it possible that you get stuck in traffic when you're taking the goddamn metro? That shit only happens in LA. Come on. And then don't just don't take the public transport in LA. Well, I have no, I don't have a car. I mean, like, I have no choice. I mean, if you, and Ubers are so expensive. But like the public transport around your campus, it's like pretty good. You know, it's like, pretty it's good. It's pretty good. But if you Santa Monica is good. If we're talking like the general LA County, <laughs> no, just no. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, going back to the film, um, and it really, um, it really t it shows you how someone's perspective, like Tom's perspective, mm -hmm. really influenced the whole look of the film. I think that is also one of the like most special selling points of 500 Days of Summer. How many movies do you know that actually succeeds in creating a movie look that is based on how its main character thinks? And when you think about it, like most rom-coms or romance films, are usually in a very objective perspective where they're looking at the the, the two-person romance uh -huh. in a very general sense. It's basically like, okay, if they kiss, it's like this wide shot of them mm -hmm. kissing. And But for this particular film, it's just from Tom's perspective, you don't really get... What's her name? Summer's perspective. Ex elaborate on that. So it's very Tom-biased. It is. I mean, from the very beginning, right? And you don't get that a lot from a lot of romance films. Ah, okay. Usually it's like, okay, there's a narrator and there's two people meet, you know, like blah, blah, blah. But what about like yeah. things like Pride and Prejudice or Becoming Jane? I haven't seen it. It's very like female character centric. It is, but it's pretty rare to get it, you know, like those like first, like 
but of course perspective like we, yeah, yeah 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 we don't dive deep into literally tom's brain in the movie like yeah how many of those romance movies actually dive deep into like almost every second of the movie describes how tom is feeling what tom is thinking right every single shot has tom in it if there's ah. no tom it's not a shot like it's not in the film what about those shots of summer it's from tom's perspective ah okay okay Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how much Manda loves this movie. But yeah, it is. Visually, it is very pleasing. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not particularly the style that I usually like to see in a movie. But I really respect it. Because it's just, you look at 500 Days of Summer, and it's very distinctive. It makes you want to live in LA. A bit, yeah. <laughs> you want to live in LA, and then you get to LA, and you experience all the shitty things too. You know, it's that it's like that one shot, the expectations and reality of when you step into into LA. You expect people to be nice to you, to have a lot of lush I mean, greenery in the park. It's true that people are nice in LA. They are, but also not everything is like what what Tom depicted it, which also creates that unreliable narrator. Dive more, dive deeper into that. So, like an unreliable narrator is usually told from a first-person perspective, mm -hmm. and they're usually only seeing things from one point of view, which is why it's unreliable. Unreliable because everything so, is just about what Tom thinks. Yeah. What Tom thinks. It's never about how does summer feel. Yeah. Even though it Even is. Even the perspective movie. of the relationship is only from Tom's point always of view. Always from Tom. And mm -hmm. that point of view is, in a way, also villainizing. Summer. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> when you mentioned villainizing um, Summer, in the beginning of the movie, I noticed that the director put, like, disclaimer, no one, no one in this, like, if there's any similarities between the characters in this story and real life, it's purely a coincidence. Especially <laughs> you, that girl's name, you bitch. <laughs> is this, like... Like a personal vendetta that the director has towards his ex-girlfriend that he turned into a movie? It might be, because it is pretty realistic when you think about it. Well, I wouldn't say realistic. It's very male-centric. It's a very male-centric gaze. It you know? is. It is. So, the, like, like you said, the movie villainizes Summer, right? And for the director to put those words at the very beginning of the movie... We have a lot of room to speculate about why the director created the movie in such a way. Well, yeah, but then again, also, it might just be, like, ironic, because it's from Tom's perspective, you know? So, because it, mi it might be Tom writing that, not the director himself. Is he gonna say okay, bro, I, I gotta search up on this when we finish recording this. I am pretty sure that one of the writers or the director had a really bad experience with an ex, and this movie is his... I don't know, what, what would you call that? Magnum opus to say, fuck you, to, to his ex. Oh my God, are you searching it right now? It's <laughs> based, am. is it based on a true story? It's only 75% based on a relationship. Based on a real, see, I told you, 75% is a pretty big number. So yeah, the movie is based on a relationship that you went through. Though, like, it is a pre pretty like realistic point of view. 
of a relationship from a first-person perspective. Because, mm-hmm. like, none of us can be objective, especially in relationships. Like, in our thoughts, it would be like, okay, that bitch who broke up with me, you know? it's Because, in a way, it is also how you cope with things. It's easier to just villainize them. You're right. It's easier to move on if you villainize a person. <laughs> That's... It is. It is easier, but people should really try harder. <laughs> people should try to be but better than just, that. That's just how people cope with relationships, though. If we're being real. Mm. Okay, like, I think we should move on. We're yeah, getting yeah, too yeah, deep yeah. into the plot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, talk about the plot in the first segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we should talk about um, the second segment, uh, plot and characters. So, um, honestly, like, I have a lot of notes, but I don't think it's just, like, Summer and Tom, you know, like, as characters. Because I think it's, like, their relationship as a whole. So I'm just going to talk more about the relationship as a whole mm-hmm. and other characters, a bit of the side characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, let's first talk about uh, Summer. So... Summer obviously has abandonment issues from her parents' divorce. Okay. <laughs> and, like, she pushes Tom away before he pushes her away, in a way. So she's yeah, like... Yeah, I think it's been pretty obvious yeah, from so the very she's beginning. Like, you know what? Like, I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me. Like, that mindset. Like, a lot of people with abandonment issues. Okay, actually- I didn't see that. I didn't actually see that because to me, the the moment Summer meets Tom, she has already begun pushing him away. She knows that Tom is interested in her. And at that moment, she decides that she doesn't want to have anything further with Tom. So that's why she keeps on insisting we're friends. No, I disagree with that. I disagree because I think she also knows she's pretty. She knows she's pretty, like the pretty girl syndrome. And she <laughs> takes advantage of people from that so that's why she is selfish in a way well yeah but her selfishness manifests into her pushing tom away i don't think she pushed tom away i think it's more like she if she she really wanted something with tom she wouldn't have said outright that very night that they decide to quote unquote have a relationship she wouldn't have said i'm I'd like to have a relationship with you, but just as friends. Mm-hmm. Because from what I see, they have pretty similar interests. They're both pretty good-looking people. Mm-hmm. It's just that Summer, summer, just like you said, because she has an abandonment issues because of her parents' divorce, she just doesn't want to get hurt. So but she was already planning on breaking up with Tom anyway. It was already clear from the very beginning, even without the director putting a scene where like it was day hundred something and then no saw like I'm breaking up with Summer. Even without that scene, to me it would have already been really obvious that at the end of the day, Summer was going to break things off with Tom. But it also seemed to me that Summer needed a friend, to be honest. Like and the way she could get it was giving Tom part of what he wanted. Cause like but that's she, a bit selfish, isn't it? Isn't that the point though? Two selfish characters in yeah. a relationship that is not fitting for both, mm-hmm. and both people wanting different things. Mm-hmm. That that is like what I'm mainly talking about, like um, especially because like yeah, like I think Summer is a lonely person 
because we don't really maybe this is just from tom's perspective but also we don't really see her interact with a lot of people and we don't see tom meeting her friends or anything like that so i feel like she had this connection with tom uh, especially with their similar interests because he was time, technically her first friend when she moved to la Right, I didn't notice this because she did move from Michigan to LA. And she felt like the only way she could be friends with Tom is by giving part of what Tom wants. Interesting. Because I feel like Tom is the type of person that wouldn't listen to what Summer is saying if Summer outrightly said, okay, we're friends, no kissing, no nothing. Men are trash like that. <laughs> But yeah, 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 yeah. I you get it I now. Mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom could never. And like Summer obviously is not the perfect girl. Like, obviously cause not. Tom sees her as a manic pixie dream girl. This uh, uh, elaborate manic pixie dream girl. Um, so manic pixie, I'm going to get get deeper into it later, but I'm just going to give like a gist of what manic pixie dream girl means. So um, a film critic named Nathan Rabin, or Rebin, I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Um, but he coined the term um, Manic Pixie Dream Girl as uh, solely in the fe uh, fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Uh, and their main purpose is to complete the main guy so he can grow. So yeah, like that's like what he what is depicted as summer, uh, what summer is to Tom. Bro, isn't that summer though? No, isn't that summer no, in the story? But, but you're getting it wrong. A manic pixie uh -huh. dream girl in a full story that will that sole sole purpose is to complete the character. They will end up with the man. Okay. Because they're gonna throw out all their selfishness and throw out, like, forget about their own wants and needs to complete the man. Oh. But that's not what Summer is. So she fulfilled her role as a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And then it's just Tom, left. But she isn't one. Interesting take. So Tom sees her as a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, and she did fulfill him in a way that he found his happiness with architecture, but she isn't one. Hmm. Cause like if we're looking, I at think you worded it wrong. I think Tom expects her to be a manic pixie dream girl for him. Yeah, yeah, but she didn't know, do but that. Like, she did fulfill it in a way, but not also like she fulfilled it halfway. She no, she fulfilled the manic pixie dream girl, but she didn't fulfill the manic pixie dream girl trope okay. as a character. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. being the, the full character herself mm -hmm. with her own personality and all that. And there's just that shallow character whose just main goal is to fulfill Tom. Hmm. Like, those are very different things. Has the director or the writer ever like touched on this subject? Yeah, yeah. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he was talking about how Tom is selfish and the main villain is Tom. Okay. So he did put that out there. And for people to realize, like, Tom is not the protagonist. No, he's like, not. I mean, I mean, he is the protagonist, but he's not, like, completely good in mm -hmm. a way. Because, like, 
um, from the from the start, he they didn't make Tom the good guy. You know, he's like quote quote nice guy. I guess the yeah, the but nice yeah, guy like, trope. And then um, let's get deeper dramatic pixie in at like the end. Mm. But like um, so there are some parts of the film where uh, like in my opinion, Summer has definitely stated that she doesn't want. A relationship with Tom. Like mm-hmm. I said, she wants a friend, but she didn't want a relationship. Mm-hmm. And the way she could get that friend in Tom is by fulfilling some part of his needs from her. I don't think that's all. I don't think that's the only reason why she's she, you know, um and she seeks Tom. She can. Cause she can. She's pretty. She's always like that. She does anything just because she can. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> I'm not saying that's I'm not saying like um that's false, you know, because that is true. Which is I said, which is what I said. The pretty girl syndrome. Yeah, I mean it is true, but I still think that uh what you mentioned, like how she she feels like in order to gain a friend in Tom, she also needs to fulfill whatever Tom uh, like some part of what Tom wants. I don't think that's solely the reason why she decides to you know seek tom well yeah yeah for sure because she in a way she also like took advantage of tom yeah yeah and tom was just not. Re- like a really convenient guy to have around especially was, he's like i think she knows there. that you know tom just worships her tom she does. would she definitely yeah, does yeah which is why tom she would literally do anything for her she knows that which is why she did it too in the first place. Yeah, because she's just been that character, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and which is why, like, I'm saying that she's not a manic pixie dream girl because she has her wants and her uh... needs and her selfish reasons for why she's doing things mm-hmm. like this. Mm. And then, um, but then, like, in one scene, she also um, there's this like scene where Tom's friend uh, Mackenzie, I think, if I'm not mistaken. She, he asked Summer, do you have a boyfriend? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, because I don't want one. And she mm-hmm. also said that she's not comfortable being anyone's girlfriend. She likes being on her, on her own. Mm-hmm. And then Tom completely dismisses this and said, I think you're wrong. Like, when you find the right one, you know, yeah. And Tom thinks that he could be the one. Let's get into this. I didn't enjoy 500 Days of Summer as much because... Um, the movie to me felt like it was using an overused trope of like person A meets person B. Person A is, you know, positive, bubbly, cheerful. Well, when person B is more quote unquote realistic about love, say, oh, I don't believe in love. And then person A is like, I will be the one to change you. Yeah, I will she, make you believe in love again. But that is the thing. Though, I didn't like, like that. Like, I liked it because it's not just about that. It's disguised as that. I wouldn't say it's disguised as that. Cause like if, I think a certain part of the movie is still that. But also like, up until they start breaking up. If you're looking in a realistic perspective of what a lot of romance films are, like rom coms especially, in the end they would end up together. Mm-hmm. But it's not in this film. Because it comes back to the themes, underlying themes, that are actually trying to be presented in the film. Of course, of course. But I just... Um, I just didn't... I just didn't like that aspect of the movie. 
where it's like, Someone's I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, make you, I'm gonna make you believe in Which love Which is like, again. but that is the thing that's wrong though. Like, cause in a realistic perspective of relationships, guys that do that in an experience that I had they're with creepy. like, not my own experience, but a friend's experience. They're creepy. Like she did like, in a way also did what Summer did. But also at the same time, she keeps telling him that she doesn't want a relationship. And he kept pushing because she thinks that he could be the one. So like lots of different films like these usually gives a very idealistic perspective of relationships, especially to young men. Thinking that they could change a woman's... Thinking that they could change a woman's want and that within the relationship itself just because he thinks he could be the one who changed them. Mm-hmm. Which is also where I lie, by the way. Like, because, the, because of pop culture bringing this up, especially to young viewers, that was what I had in my mind. Like, yeah, I could change what they want because I'm me. Like, I'm, I'm a good person and like- You think that? Yeah, I do. I used to. <laughs> I could never. <laughs> but I used to. I used to is what I'm saying. Mm. And that's why I think why this film has a special place in my heart is because I see a lot of myself in Tom. I do see okay. a lot of myself in Tom. Mm-hmm. But also, at the same time, um, after watching this film, kind of like reevaluating myself and this idealistic perspective I have on my relationships that have been put on me, put against me since I was a kid because of pop culture and media and representation. Hmm. The movie touches a little bit about that, doesn't it? So Where Tom it goes like, like critiques <laughs> on that, especially. All it took was a heartbreak, huh? <laughs> but yeah, like, and then um, we talked about this already. Actually, like Mackenzie, Tom's friend, brought up that Tom likes her, and he was, and Mackenzie was drunk. Summer said that she thinks Tom is interesting and would like for them to be friends. But it wasn't clear what friends mean to Summer. But she made it pretty clear it's not a dating relationship. And she keeps repeating this again and again. And yes, she did take advantage of Tom just because she can. You know, she's like, she's also a bitch in a way because of that. But she also, is a bitch, not in a way. She was a bitch to Tom, dead ass though. But Tom was also a bitch to her. So they were both like, bitches. Yeah, it's like what I'm saying. Doesn't like, justify it though. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, like, that's just what people are. People are bitches. I feel like people could be better. These two characters just aren't. Everyone's a bitch, though. Like, when you think about it, people will just do things uh, that ultimately will be beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. So people will not do something just because they want to. There are certain cases where they would, but ultimately, decisions and choices would benefit a person that may, made that choice. Hmm. Everyone's selfish. Let's not get into, let's not get deeper into the whole philosophical debate about this, or else this episode is gonna go on for like five hours. <laughs> let's continue. Um, there's another scene where she, she told Tom that she wanted to get a butterfly tattoo. Oh my God, that scene just proved how incompatible they were for and each other. And Tom was like, no. Disgusting. Shut up, Tom. It's like, it's her body, yo. Like, stop telling her what to do. That's when you realize, I think, actually, no, I think I realized pretty early on how, you know, toxic 
Tom actually is. Because Tom has this ideal view of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get myself a pretty girl, and then it's kind of like, I own her. Mm. Which is very toxic, and that isn't what Summer wants in the first place, when she said that um, she doesn't want to be just seen as it's someone's girlfriend. Like, it's a lot of, from Tom's part, a lot of glorifying the whole idea of I am yours, you are mine, like, that kind of toxic thing. masculinity too. Yeah. It's very problematic, those words. But yeah, and like, I see Tom as like the quote, quote, nice guy. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm nice, but then he's not. All pe all the guys who, who have to claim that, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm exactly. a nice guy. I feel like he's Tom, like 99.9% probably not. I feel like Tom is the trope, like the nice guy trope. He obviously is because he's not overly muscular, you know, doesn't have, right? He's no, not no, overly no. muscular, do, do, he's do, do, not do, do, that do, do, tall. Do, do, do. I just have a revelation. What? <laughs> he's the epitome of a soft boy. Oh my god. Oh my god, he is. <laughs> You know, with the greasy hair, skinny build, the jackets over the shirts. Shh, I did not like his fashion sense, but yeah. Yeah, and like, uh, like I said, unreliable narrator, and he's viewing everything from rose-tinted glasses. Of course. He, he's just trying to convince himself that this is it. He's, he's forcing it to work. I bet early on he knew that, you know what, this shit, this shit probably won't work out. Yeah, he just didn't want to face it. Yeah, and but only... for the sake of me and for the sake of love everywhere, it can work. <laughs> I will make it work. Shit. He's a dumbass. <laughs> He's just a pissy ass bitch. And he was a pussy. He's just, he just oh pissy. He just basically complains about everything. He acted like he was like 10. He acted like a 10-year-old boy. It pissed me off a lot of times. Like, Tom, get your shit together. How is your, how is your, what, your little sister, like, a hundred times wiser than you are? Come on, man. Yeah, she literally stated that just because some cute girl likes some bizarre crap you do, that doesn't make her your soulmate, Tom. Her Head sister, I mean, his sister literally said that. Yeah. He's the only sane character. <laughs> she is. She's the only sane she character. She be telling Tom like the real shit. I liked Paul too. I feel like Paul, Paul was also a sane character. I will get into that later. Mm -hmm. I have a quote from him. Mm -hmm. But um, let's talk a bit more, more about Tom. Like his, his idealization of the perfect woman. Mm. Who is a manic pixie dream girl. Who will just fulfill on whatever he needs. But for you personally though. I mean... Um, Apart from his, you know, idealization of the perfect girl for him, do you truly believe that there is someone perfect out there for you? Just like the way Tom completely I mean, believes. Yes, in a way, but also no, because yes, I feel like there would be a person for me that is compatible for me, but I don't think they would be perfect. Perfect for you, not perfect in like, perfect for you, perfect in your eyes. I don't think I see someone as perfect. I would never see someone as perfect. Now, like me now. Me then would be like Tom. How would like, you define perfect? Perfect. When I say perfect, when I say perfect in your eyes, it's like despite the shitty things that this person does or has in their personality or whatever, what about you? you wouldn't be able to What about me? Mm -hmm. I haven't put much thought into that. <laughs> well, yes, like they would be a person that's compatible for me, but I would never view a person as perfect. 
I would never because everyone's flawed. And of course, everyone's flawed. Everyone is flawed. So I don't, I, I don't think perfect is a good word. To I, yeah, I don't think someone. perfect is a good word. But it's more like I, I keep on, I keep on telling everyone that I meet when they, when they ask about, you know, what my philosophy on friendship or relationships is like, is that you're able to have a relationship, whether it be um, friendship wise, love wise, or whatever, when you're able to look at the most imperfect parts of this person. The most shittiest parts of this person and you would be okay with it i agree with that but also like i think perfect wouldn't be a good word to describe mm-hmm. a person maybe compatible for you or maybe like accepting them in a way that is they're not perfect you know in their imperfectness imperfectness i feel like <laughs> imperfectness yeah that was right but i feel like that was what tom was aiming for he was, but at the same time, when he was talking about being in love with Summer, like in day, day 154, he stated that he's in love with Summer, but I don't think it's true like that he's in love with Summer. He's the, in love with the idea of Summer because he kept on, he kept on stating physical features of Summer that, that Summer has, but not like exactly her personality. You know, to be completely honest, we're never to the audience's eyes like the audience is never even introduced to what kind of what kind of person summer could be exactly which is what i'm saying like tom isn't even looking he's not even listening he's just Mm. there because summer's pretty (laughs) interesting some shallow shit tom (laughs) okay and like this whole time in her apartment he's like Summer's telling him stories about her life and all that, but we don't really listen to anything. We're basically just seeing Tom looking at Summer in like, oh my gosh, she's so perfect kind of way. Oh, I sorry guess. about the rain. Oh yeah, um, it's the monsoon season here in Jakarta, so yeah, it's been raining a but lot. But you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's there and he's looking at her, but he's not listening and he's not even taking into account her personality and her upbringing and her background. Hmm. He's just looking at her because she's beautiful. I feel like he understood her a little bit, but like I said, it's like when you're, I guess the way, the way movies or literature puts it, like when you're in love with a, when you're so deeply in love with a person or maybe so deeply in love with the idea of this person, the most imperfect things become perfect things to him. Because, you know, at the very, uh, in the early parts of the movie, you have Tom going like, um, I love Summer's laugh. I love Summer's, you know, long dark hair, her blue eyes, the heart-shaped, you know, the heart-shaped he birthmark. Yeah. And then later on, he starts shitting on the same, um, same things that he used to love so much about Summer. Made, like, albeitly, it being physical features instead right. of just her personality. Which is shallow. It's, 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 it is shallow. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like the idea of how, you know, when people say love, love can blind you and all that shit. These, these same things were the very things that, you know, um, made Tom attracted to Summer in the first place. And then when you start falling out of love, when you start, you know, getting to know this person more and more, these are the things, or maybe just being exposed to the same things again and again, you start going, and this is the most annoying shit I've ever seen, like, but can you laser that that's, birthmark? That's not it, though, like, for, in my opinion. 
Like, because I don't think what he's experiencing is love. Like, personally, I think what he's experiencing is infatuation. I think a little, I think a little bit of it was love or, you know, maybe the idea of it. It's just the idea of love, but I don't think it's love ultimately. Because, like, my past relationship, like, we were talking my, about my past relationship and my experience with relationships. Like, just a bit of background. I'm sorry you have to hear this, but I'm, like, relating it to my personal, um, personal... What, experience? Experiences. Yeah. Um, I was in a relationship for almost three years, like, my, my past relationship. And at first, I did, like, experience infatuation where you're kind of like overlooking everything every physical features that are flawed and kind of just going like I don't care you know but then like along the way that infatuation goes away and ultimately all you can see is just a person themselves without that roasted glasses but like yes it uh, some things are annoying to me but uh, but I still love them like I wouldn't see like can you laser that shit I wouldn't because that would change who the person is and I don't want that. And I feel like love is overlooking those flawed things and being annoyed by them, but at the same time also kind of like embracing it. And I don't think that what Tom is experiencing is love in that sense. The reason why I'm convinced that there was, that I still think that he was like at a certain point in love with Summer is because he mentioned how Summer makes him happy. Isn't that him just being in love with the idea of Summer, though? To me, the minute where he says that, I don't know, she makes me happy. That's love to me for that fleeting moment. I don't think it's just infatuation. That's what I think. For sure, yeah. Because, like, for everyone, um, love means very different things. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, and I'm not invalidating how you feel about it because we just both maybe have different views on what love mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. you know? Because, like, to me, it's like, um, sh shallower things like that, like being happy, yes, but then a lot of things could also make me happy, like making short films and doing <laughs> photography. It's a different kind of happiness. Yeah, but like happiness, again, is very also subjective. So we wouldn't necessarily know how exactly Tom is feeling except for the things that he wants us to see. Okay. But also, from what I got, like, personally from what I got in my opinion it might not be yours but uh -huh. like I think he's in love with the idea of a relationship and he's okay. in love with the idea of having summer be that person mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. like knowing that he's the person to experience some things that summer shared with him the first time mm. he likes being special <laughs> making it sound like he's an insecure piece of shit but he probably is i think he is that's why that's why the way he got over summer was by villainizing her because hmm. like ultimately i feel if you get over a relationship and for like i wouldn't like i would first villainize them just because i'm also an insecure piece of shit okay <laughs> but, but in the end i would probably come to terms with it and going like you know what like Let's see an objective view of a relationship. Mm -hmm. There are bad times, there are good times, but also everyone is flawed, no one is perfect. Mm. And for sure, like, Summer is selfish. I'm also selfish. Mm -hmm. 
So it's just a relationship that doesn't work because we're both just not that compatible. Yeah. What, what about you? What are your opinions? Because I keep on talking because I have a lot of notes. <laughs> well, I don't have much to say. They're just not compatible people. But the whole, like, I'm, again, I'm so convinced that up to a certain point, Tom was truly in love. I mean, he could be in love with the idea of um, being in a relationship with Summer. Of course he was, because he was the only one, you know, moving forward with everything. And the, the only person who, who's willing to sacrifice a lot of shit to, to keep the relationship afloat. But at the same time, mm, I feel like for him, for him to have those strong feelings, I think that he was also in love with Summer, not just the idea of it. For sure. But up to a certain point, yeah. he starts falling out of love. He starts realizing, it's just, there's this one scene where they were in Ikea, and then Tom goes, honey, I think our sink is broken, or I think our tap is broken. Trying and some, Yeah, trying to play house again. And Summer is just so like, you know what, bro, fucking stop. You know, it's, it's shown on her face. But Tom is just, it's, it's just trying so hard. Like, it really just makes you think. The very the things that use the things that you used to love so much about a person could be the things that make you decide you know what i'm fucking done yeah then again we could also talk about like are you in love with the person or are you in love with the feeling that the person gives you Tom, to me, Tom was definitely in love with the person. Summer was in love with the feeling that Tom gave her because she did, at a I certain point, Summer love just liked the attention. Summer. Summer had fun. The way I see it, Summer had fun with Tom. She really enjoyed being Tom's friend. But also, like, a relationship isn't supposed to be, like, 80-20. Because that's, like, what it looked like to me. Like, Tom was giving 80, and Summer was only giving 20. Which is why the relationship didn't work out. Exactly. Yeah. But still, Tom liked, Tom loved Summer. Summer loved the feeling Tom gave her, which is why it didn't work out. So me, right? Tom liked Summer, but he didn't love wholly, like Summer, wholly as a person. That's to me. But we have different interpretations. Mm -hmm. But this is a good I, debate. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Like this I think, like, I think what really, um, uh, how do I put it? Because really ultimately, made also, like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of different interpretations for this film because people's view of relationships and love are very subjective. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, from the both of us, we obviously have very differing views on love, which is made very apparent from this episode. But, yeah, we, like, I think that's what's interesting. Yeah, because then you can think about all the different possibilities and all the different arguments that people can make from just this film and different interpretations. Wow. Which is why it's very open to a lot of very different interpretations from person to person. I think that's also one of the reasons why this movie was such a big hit. Yeah, because like not one person can think of this relationship like that Tom and Summer had as like one thing. It's because, because it's not glorified as a perfect relationship type of thing. How does 500 Days of Summer differ from The Notebook? And why doesn't, even though they're both romance movies, 
Why don't they both um, make people feel the same way? Because the notebook. Is it's a glorification of what love is supposed to be. It's like an idealization. Yeah, 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 an very, idealization. A very unrealistic view on what a relationship is supposed to be like. Oh, what? A relationship is supposed to be a guy building a house for you? Bro, you can't expect me to climb a goddamn <laughs> Ferris wheel and then threaten to let go until you, until you agree on going on a date with me. If a toxic. bitch does that, I, I'd step on their hands. Just let go right now, bro. Let go right now, I swear. It's kind of toxic, right? It's some toxic shit. It's so toxic. <laughs> you, you all, you in the end, like you cannot make someone like you. No matter how hard you try, that's what I've learned. You cannot make someone like you. Wow, that's some deep shit. No matter how bad you want them to like you, nothing's gonna change how they feel about you. You, no matter how much you force someone, like. You can't make them love you, not like. Love and possession are very different things too. Love and like are also different things. Yeah, like, um, cause Tom's way of viewing relationship is very, love is ownership. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, like I said, the whole glorification of I am yours, you are mine. Yeah, like love is not ownership. Love is to me, like to me, it's. Accepting a person for who they are, even their flaws. And it's not ownership, it's a companionship. And like, yeah, and it's like, if they don't love you back, then it's time for you to let go for their happiness. If you truly love something, let them go. <laughs> that is a very hard thing to do because there's a very thin line between love and ownership. There is a very, very thin line. The way love is portrayed, there's mm -hmm. a thin line. But if you were, if you, if you knew any better, you'd know how different those two things could be. Don't you agree? We should, yeah, I agree. But we should get on with like, <laughs> um, a bit of like uh, Tom's friend, Paul. I liked him, even though he didn't exactly push the story forward. I mean, anyhow. I liked him because I feel like he's grounding Tom in a way. Hmm. Like he, uh, there was a small scene, small snippet of like the characters, each character saying what love means to them, mm -hmm. or like, oh, no, no, actually not love. It's more like their ideal woman or like ideal girl or a guy, whatever. But like he said that he, and I quote, he said, "I think technically the girl in my dreams would probably have really, have a really, really bodacious rack, maybe different hair. She'd probably be a little more into sports." But truthfully, Robin is better than, than the girl of my dreams. She's real. And that kind, of also, that kind of aligned with the foreshadowing of what the real problem is within Tom and Summer's relationship. It's... Because Tom always has his yeah, head it's in Tom the clouds. idealizing and also glorifying this idea of a dream girl. Hmm. Interesting. Although I have to say, well, actually, no, I take it back. I was about to say that um, what Paul said was a little bit problematic to me because now that I think about it, if it were to be problematic, I'm technically idealizing the whole idea of what love is supposed to be, right? Although realistically, realistically, you can't ever find a person who's like 100% perfect in your eyes. 
You can't. You really mm-hmm. can't. And um, to co- to like close it up with like the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope, um, like Summer, uh, like Summer has her own wants and needs, and she literally stated herself again and again. She doesn't want to be just somebody's girlfriend. Like if she were a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, she would have married Tom in the end. Mm-hmm. She would have definitely put aside everything that she wants in life. To fulfill Tom's needs. Bro, what, but we didn't needs. even see what Summer wants. Because it's from Tom's perspective. Yeah. Which is why she isn't a manic pixie dream girl. Because mm-hmm. we didn't see... Like, a lot of elements that was supposed to make her a manic pixie dream girl just wasn't there now that yeah, I think like about it. Yeah, like, it overturned... It's like portraying her as a manic pixie dream girl in disguise. Mm. And, like... The fact that she took advantage of Tom just because she likes the attention to is why she's not a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the ending? I think it was an okay ending. I wouldn't say that it was, you know, the best. Um, you mentioned before that at the end of the day, Tom found happiness through architecture again. Well, I didn't really see that. He just, I, I just felt like he just went back to, um, yeah. he, he shifted. He regressed. He shift, no, he, not really regressed. He shifted his um, hopes and dreams from Summer, this ideal to girl, to, to, not Autumn, to architecture. I also want to talk about Autumn later, by the way. It, it was whack. To me, you know that what, like, especially that they use the Bradbury building, like in DTLA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. They made an office. They made it into like an o- an office building. Mm-hmm. But like, truthfully, if you go there right now, you wouldn't be able to climb those stairs. They closed it off. You can only take pictures from the bottom. Oh, well, I did not know that. So, and he must have paid a lot. <laughs> but also the fact that the director, you know, named the final girl Autumn, bitch. If the if the if if this movie had a sequel, motherfucker would be dating another chick named Spring, dude. I Winter, know. monsoon. I didn't really like. Shit. I I wish they didn't put Autumn as the ending and him meeting Autumn. I wish the ending would just ended him like pursuing the architecture things. I have no thoughts, but I feel like with Autumn there, it showed more of Tom's growth. Than just him shifting, shifting his thoughts to architecture, because to me, um, that that conversation he had with Autumn, um, mm-hmm. it showed a really different side of Tom. It showed a very different Tom. He he's no longer he's no longer um, the nice guy anymore. I think. That was the feel that I got. He's just another guy. He's he he's a guy who just you know got slapped in the face, you by know, reality. by reality. Because if if Tom had met Autumn before he met Summer, mm-hmm. he wouldn't immediately go back to Autumn to ask her out. He'd be like, if this is fate, I'm gonna meet her again. I think it's also because like Autumn wasn't. As Manic Pixie Ream Girl like like Summer like physically, why? She was equally pretty. 
Don't 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 talk about how you have a thing for Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Autumn's character was also equally pretty. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's real and what's not. <laughs> Autumn's character was equally pretty. I think that Autumn, like the ending with Autumn, had to be there to show that Tom is a different man now after meeting Summer. How so? Like I said, because if Tom had met Autumn before he met Summer, he wouldn't immediately go back and then go like, you want to grab a coffee sometime? He'd be, he'd be slowly stalking her. If, if she got the job at the Bradbury <laughs> office, he'd be coming to the job every single day, waiting to pass by her in the hallway and then hoping that she would recognize him. The oh same God. way that he starts playing the Smiths to get, you know, to get Summer to, to make a comment about it in the office. Oh my God, you know what? That also kind of reflects, like, I'm reflecting upon my own like progression is that and the type of shit do you is that the type of shit you did, <laughs> did yes oh my god i did you're an yeah. interesting person amanda and then because i feel like i do have a very romanticizing way of viewing like i can life. see that i can see that yeah especially i think it's because also like yes i try to see the best in everything that i'm doing especially the places that i'm stuck in uh and also like I do what Tom does, which is why I kind of hated rewatching the film because it reminded it me reminded me of, of you. Me. <laughs> but then, like in the end, like like looking and looking back and looking at me right now, like okay. I'm not actively pursuing relationships. Mm. I'm letting it just come to me. Like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I'm now just focusing on the work that I'm doing and focusing on what I can do right now for myself. That's good. That's good for you. And what you said just now kind of opened my eyes to the growth that I've been, I've gone through too from the start of watching 500 Days of Summer when I was like 13 or 14 mm. and now. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Not yeah. Really, yeah. It's like, if... The ending needed to show how Tom would decide to take things into his own hands instead of letting fate do the work. Yeah. The idea of soulmates starts crumbling the minute he asks Autumn out. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think the ending was, it was good. I cannot tell you what kind of perfect ending would be in my version of 500 Days of Summer. I, uh, I don't either because I think it's still But a good I think ending. it was good. It wraps things up really yeah. good. And I liked how like they portrayed Tom focusing on his work. You know, like he's just like, I kind of disagree with you on him like channeling it to architecture, like that view of love and romanticizing things. But I think it's more of him kind of like going, you know what, like I'm not going to actively pursue relationships. I'm just going to let it come to me. And at the same time, like, I'm just going to focus on what to do with my life. And if this, if this is the life that I want to live. That was the vibe that I got from Tom as well mm -hmm. in the ending. It was nice. It's Overall, nice. a great movie. I liked it. I loved it. But I want to rewatch it just because Tom reminds me of me. I wouldn't rewatch it just because I don't think it's my cup of tea. Cu cup of tea. But like I said, 
It's a really great movie. It's immaculate. <laughs> it's one of the better rom-coms out there. But it's also a drama, I think. Yeah, rom-com like dra slash drama. drama. It's <clears throat> Wow, it just, I feel like 500 Days of Summer really um, re rewrites the whole idea of what rom-com is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. The way it looks, the way the story ends, the type of characters that you should put. It's, it's very great. well thought out. It's really well thought out. And I love the casting too. Like, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think, suits a character really well. He and, does. And like Zoe Deschanel, they have like, um, sp like pretty spot on chemistry, I feel. Like, especially with the characters that they're portraying. Because mm. I think it's also because they're like pretty good friends in real life. Oh, I did not know that. They actually had kind of like, they made covers, I think, like in YouTube. What? On YouTube. Yeah, oh. they're like pretty close friends. They're pretty close friends. That's cool. And to see them kind of like work together in this film puts into perspective of like that close bond that they have and put into action. They're better off as friends, you guys. For sure. Like, I feel like everything just would have worked out really, everything would have worked out really well. If they're friends. If they were just friends. If they just didn't fuck. Okay. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but totally like, I think it's just really hard to not have crushes on your friends too sometimes. <laughs> oh my God, Amanda. Yeah. Especially when you're both very really similar. I would disagree, but that's not what this podcast is about. And also physically attractive to you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but what rating would you give it? Out of 10? I would give it a 9. Wow, okay. It's pretty rare to have like films like these, especially something that hits close to home. Huh. Cause like, I feel like it hits really close to home in my mm. growth and with relationships uh. and love. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really like, close movie yeah, it's to like, you. I'm like, ill because it's <laughs> me. I see a lot of me in the film, but also like, yeah, like thankful for the good portrayal of like relationships and people. Because not a lot of rom-coms do that. A lot of rom-coms hmm. are just like, two people fall in love, they get together, the end. Happy ending. And they lived happily ever yeah. after. It's not that. Life is not like that. You, you don't get things shoved in your face and fulfill your life just like that. It's mm. not that easy. You, know, you want something, you've got to grab that shit, man. The universe isn't going to spoon feed you. But 9 out of 10, that's really high. I am surprised. I'm baffled. But for me... I would probably give it a 7.8 out of 10. 8. 7.8. 7.8 is an 8. It's not an 8 yet. Because it's an 8. <laughs> it's like 0.2. What more do you want? No. Give it an 8. Because like I said, like I said, it has a great look. Not, not, not my cup of tea necessarily, but it still has a specific look to it which is what I love about 500 Days of Summer. It has a really realistic ending. I don't think that it shows that both of these characters um, say mature throughout their, throughout their um, relationship because I still think that to, a, to, to some extent, 
both Summer and Tom are probably going to be the same selfish motherfuckers. They're going to be. Because not everyone can be selfless. That's, that's of course, of course. But the difference is that Summer found someone who could tolerate that. And Tom is probably looking for it in autumn now. What matured about Tom is his outlook on what love and relationships are supposed to but be. But also on how Summer's outlook on love and relationship is too, in my opinion. Because like, she kind of grew out of that, oh, I don't do love. Because like, it's, I can't find love, that brooding. Uh, now, like, here's the reason. Here's also one of the reasons why I gave it a 7.8. It's also, it's also because that um, I think the way I see it, nearing the end of the movie, Tom became Summer, Summer became Tom. The way they view, the way they viewed things. Oh, I, d- I didn't see it like that. I saw, I saw it more of like, them like kind of like learning something from that from each other yeah from each other because like mm. i don't think ultimately they're i, I say ultimately a lot but like mm-hmm. in the end it boils down like i don't think it boils down to both person being each other like oppositely like that i think being they able became to learn more they became other. more similar to each other nearing the end of the movie they that's how i saw that's it like what relationships are for like past relationships if it doesn't work out doesn't mean it's bad fully bad it's just because you're both very different people but and you're always end, learning something yeah, you're, you're always, always learning, learning something, something new mm-hmm. you, you gotta keep yourself open overall again amazing movie we really recommend you to watch 500 days of summer it's my childhood <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine but watching it at 20 at you know at 20 years old I could really appreciate the movie. I really appreciate it. It's really well made. I think one of the best rom-coms out there, even though I gave it a 7.8. I, I just, I just, you know, I'm just more into... Um, Penelope. Penelope. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I'm more into something that's grounding and something that's mm-hmm. more realistic and, like, lifelike. But anyway, guys, I have a feeling that we're running out of time. But before we end today's episode, uh, just a heads up. Next week, we're going to be doing a whole different set of films. Yeah, a whole different genre that we're going to be analyzing in December. We're going to be doing... We don't want to be cliche and do... Uh, we're not going to do Christmas, Christmas films. <laughs> we're so gonna I don't do, really celebrate Christmas, so... We're going to do films with snow. Hells <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Which gives us a bigger coverage of, like, films. I mean, there are a lot of movies with snow in them that have, you know. So, I wouldn't say that it's a genre, per se. It's just, we're just trying to come up with, you know, a theme for every month. And since December is winter in most countries in this world, Mm -hmm. movies with snows in them sound great. Yeah. I don't really have much more to say. Because <laughs> the not, mic's getting really low right now. <laughs> we're not, we're not, um, we're not giving you, we're not giving you any spoilers. Not giving you any any hints on what next week's. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna figure out a list first, and then gives you a give yeah. You, we don't want to disappoint heads you. Up mm-hmm. On the list that we've, um, we've curated. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I really hope you end up watching 500 Days of Summer because of this. I mean, or maybe you're just... Gonna, you're going to be watching it already. Well, yeah. Or maybe, you know, um, gain new insight of what the movie is or could be. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.